Let light shine in the darkness. Again, I'm thankful for each and every one of you being here today and this opportunity to uh, just reflect and think about uh, what God has in mind for us. Those of you who are online as well, thank you for being here. Um, You know, this whole series is about our light, letting our light shine, being an influence. And, And I'll just make an admission to you here up front. I struggle a lot with being the right kind of influence on other people in the world. It's not that I don't want to do that. It's not that I don't try. But I know me, you know. I know the choices that I make. I know the times where I mess up and say things I shouldn't say and get angry when I shouldn't be angry. And I just know that I struggle a lot with being the right kind of influence for Jesus. Uh, You would think, since I'm paid to be good, right, that I would do a whole lot better at that, but I've just always struggled a lot with that kind of an influence and being the right kind of influence. And I'm guessing that many of you understand that because you struggle with that as well. And you say, well, you know, I'm not even paid to be good. You're a preacher, and you struggle. What do you think I'm going to struggle with, right? Because, you know, I'm a police officer. I'm a, I'm a mom. I'm just a, you know, cook in a kitchen. I, I, you know, I just run an insurance company. I just teach fifth grade. Um, I just run a lab. I, I, you think about all of the things that we do when we think, I, I'm just insignificant, right? I don't have that much influence on other people, uh, I don't do a great job of being an influence, and especially if you as a preacher don't do a good job, what about me? What, what, what am I supposed to do? I think we all wrestle with this idea of how we are supposed to be this influence of, for Jesus. But thankfully, Jesus tells a couple of stories that I think dispel this myth, this myth that says, because I feel insignificant, that I can't be an influence for Jesus Christ. And so we are in a series right now just simply entitled Glow. And this series is all about letting our light shine in the darkness. And when we talk about this idea of light, we started last week in which we learned the truth that Jesus says that we are a light in the darkness, right? So light's not very big. Light is not that significant unless it's what? In the, oh good, it almost went out. That was good. There we go. These old things, you know. Life's not all that significant when it's a bright room like this. But when there's darkness around it, in other words, when there are people who are living in a state of life in which they don't know, you know, what they should be doing and they feel this overwhelming sense that life is not the way it should be, that light becomes so very significant and bright. And so this year we're spending in the Gospel of Luke. And the reason we're spending the whole year in the Gospel of Luke is because we want Jesus to be the greatest influence possible on us. We know, all of us, that all by ourselves, we we just can't be the people that we know God has in mind and God wants us to be. But when we spend time digging into the Word of God, specifically learning about Jesus Christ, there's this power that God uses within our lives, and the more we get to know Jesus, the greater an impact that he can have on every single one of us. And so this series today, or this message today, is a message, or is actually two little pictures that Jesus uses about that the more insignificant I feel, the more really insecure that I feel, the more I feel like I just don't have anything to offer the greater the impact God can have through me 
when I put myself into his hands. Because God wants to use every single one of us today. And so here's where we're going today is simply this, that small things, go ahead, Joe, you can put that, thank you. Small things in the hand of Almighty God result in a great impact. Small things in the hands of God result in a great impact. And so we are in Luke chapter 13. So I want to encourage you to grab a Bible. There's Bibles in the seat underneath you. Pull your phone out. Again, you can hit that QR code and it'll take you to the Version app where we're at. Those of you who are online, make sure you have your Bibles open. But I'm going to read just two very simple parables of what they are from Luke chapter 13. And then we're going to take a look at how Jesus can use our own feeling of insecurity or our own sense of insignificance And when we put it in God's hand, he can do great things with that. Luke chapter 13, I want to read beginning in verse 18. So then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. And again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So Jesus begins this real short passage with the question, what is the kingdom of God like? Now this phrase, kingdom of God, Luke uses it the most. So there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the story of Jesus. But Luke uses this phrase, and and he records this phrase more in Jesus using it. In fact, Jesus uses it either directly by saying the kingdom of God is like, which is in our passage, or Luke says Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God, uses it some 32 times. So when he talks about the kingdom of God, what's he talking about? Well, a kingdom is a place where a queen or a king rules. It is their dominion. It is their domain. And so if it's the kingdom of God, then we're talking about the place in which God rules, the domain of God. Now, in the Old Testament, it was a very physical, literal kingdom. It was the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. They were the kingdom of God. God protected them and watched out for them, or he he rebuked them at times so they would come back to him. But it was the nation of Israel through whom the Messiah would come. But when Jesus was on this earth, as he talked about this kingdom of God, like Luke chapter 4 and verse 43, here's what Jesus says there. He said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I sent, the good news of the kingdom of God. And so as Jesus spent a lot of time talking about this kingdom, one of the things he pointed out is that this kingdom is not something that you can see, that is something that is uh, like a palace. In fact, in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, here's what Jesus says. He goes, He was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, and Jesus said, well, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something you can observe. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst, or it is within you, some translations say. In other words, Jesus changed the kingdom of God from something that was physical, that was a a palace, or a particular region to the people of God. In other words, if the kingdom of God is where God rules, 
And if we are the people who've surrendered to that kingdom, in other words, we've made Jesus Lord of our lives, then what that means is, as God's people, we are a part of that kingdom. And at the present moment, the kingdom of God is the church. Not a building, but it is the people who represent God wherever it is they happen to live. But there's a lot of confusion about the kingdom of God, and so that's why Jesus spends some time talking about that. So he begins in verse 18 again. What's he say there? What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? What is the kingdom of God like? And so he gives us a couple of different pictures. Um, he, sometimes they call these parables, or these would be a simile. In other words, what's it like, or what is the comparison and so a simile is supposed to help us have a better understand. It gives us some kind of comparison, right? So see if you can figure out where this simile came from, what movie. It's an old movie. That fellow's the raspberry seed in my wisdom tooth. Anybody know where that comes from? The music man. Come on, Ron. What's the deal? I mean, you're the music guy, right? Or how about this one? This was a lot easier. Life is like a box of chocolates. First gum, very good. All right, now here's a couple of very, very meaningful ones. Her hair glistened in the rain like a nose hair after a sneeze. And that, that's just, oh, it's just so romantic, right? How about this one? The plan was simple, like my brother-in-law Tim, but unlike Tim, this plan just might work. Oh, that's terrible, right? So Jesus, you'll get it eventually, right? Jesus... Um, he used these pictures to help us have a better understand, uh, understanding of what the kingdom of God is like. So what's the first picture? The kingdom of God is like what? Mustard seed. It's like a mustard seed. In fact, he goes on. What does he say, verse 19 there? It's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. So I have a packet of seeds here. These are not mustard seeds. These are kale seeds. Not sure why anyone would grow kale. We grow kale at our house. It's terrible. It's terrible. Tiny little seeds. Calm down. All right, calm down. Tiny little seeds, but so what's a mustard seed? Well, um, you know, spicy mustard. Mustard has mustard seed in it, but it was a plant that grew all over that region of the world. And it was kind of a bush, but it, it, could, become, it could, could become pretty large. In fact, in the right kind of conditions, a mustard seed could turn into a plant that was over nine feet tall. I mean, literally, like Jesus talks about, it has branches where birds could perch and you could have shade underneath that. And Jesus is saying, how is this like the kingdom of God? And it's pretty easy to picture that, right? Something that's very, very tiny that gets stuck in the ground becomes something that's huge. Now, if you think about Jesus, and he's the one who brought the kingdom of God, or he's the one who began the kingdom of God, so there was a time in the ministry of Jesus, you know, he was in ministry three, three and a half years, in which there were literally thousands and thousands of people who followed him. I mean, he had crowds. He fed, you know, 15,000, 20,000 people at one particular time. But by the time Jesus ends his time on earth, he dies on the cross, he's buried in the grave, he comes forth from the grave, then he ascends up into heaven, the first chapter of Acts says that there's like 
only 120 people who are part of the kingdom. I mean, that's, that's not a very good retention rate, right? You go from thousands and thousands to 120. But if you look today, according to Pew Research, there's over 2.5 billion Christians all over the world. And you say, that's pretty impressive, right? Tiny seed, huge plant. But is Jesus really in this story talking here about numbers? Is he saying the kingdom of God is going to grow into this huge amount of people? I mean, God is very much interested in the individual person. Next week we're going to take a look at three different stories that talk about how, how so important is the one that God is willing to leave the rest to get that particular one. But is he really talking about numbers or is he talking about something else, something that is in the ground, something that is tiny, that becomes huge and influential? Is he talking about the impact and the influence that you and I who are a part of his kingdom can have in the world around us? Because there's this danger when the church finds itself in a position of power. So if you look at the first three, four, five centuries of the church, the first part of it, they were under huge persecution by Rome. To be a Christian meant you could very, very likely lose your life. But then Constantine, who was the ruler of Rome, becomes a Christian. And suddenly Christianity comes in vogue. Christianity becomes the, you know, the religion of the nation. I mean, it, it, it becomes something of significance and suddenly has influence and power in a grand scale. And the reality was the church became so corrupt after that period of time. In other words, the danger of the church seeing the influence that they have in the realm of power. I mean, there's times that we as followers of Jesus need to step up against things that are unjust or things that are wrong. But when we try to use the power of the church to accomplish God's will, we run into all kinds of trouble. So what is the kingdom of God like? It's like a tiny little seed that has influence. Now the second picture he gives us, what is the kingdom of God like? What is the second picture? Yeast, thank you very much. Well, let me ask that again. What's the second picture? Yeast, very good, very good. The second picture is yeast. So he goes on in verse 20. He says, again, I, he asks, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked <clears throat> all through the dough. Now, I also have a, a packet of Dry or active yeast, original Fleischmann's. Um, so, what do you use yeast for? Beer. Okay, you can use yeast for beer. Yeah. Why can you use yeast for beer? Because it's it ferments, right? Many many people use it for bread as well. Yeah. There you go. But you take this small amount of yeast, and what do you do? You put it. A little water, a little sugar in the flour, and it creates this process that happens that it just, it's amazing what happens. And I, I love how Jesus, in this particular story, you notice there he talks about 60 pounds of flour. 
That was a guy who went to Costco and went crazy, right? I mean, it's like 60 pounds of honey. I got the greatest deal in the world today, 60 pounds of flour. But the point of what Jesus is saying here is just a tiny little pinch of yeast in all of that flour can make a huge impact. It's slow, right? It's steady in what it does. And in fact, it's hidden. Not that we're trying to be secretive, but it's, it's unseen. It's kind of beneath the surface of what it does in that flower there. And so what is the kingdom of God like? It is the power of God to transform with just a tiny little bit of influence. You see, God wants to use you and I in such a significant way. And so Jesus uses two different pictures here, right? A picture of seeds, a picture of flour, to be able to help you and I understand how he works. And how he works is not really on a big, huge scale. How he works is on a small scale through each and every one of our lives to accomplish big and huge, amazing things. Because we are seed. We are the yeast. We are a light to be this kind of influence in the world. But how does that come about? Like, for instance, a seed or the yeast, for a seed to actually begin to have an impact, what has got to go? It's got to come in contact with the dirt. It's got to be buried into the ground, right? For yeast to have the impact and influence, it's got to come in contact with the flour and with the water and with the sugar, And so God wants to use you and I, not in big, huge ways, though he accomplishes those things, but in small, tiny ways in us, every single one of us, having an impact on the people that you and I come in contact with. And you think about the people in Scripture. You know, people in the Bible are messed up people. I mean, it did all kinds of crazy things. For example, Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac was a daydreamer, and Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses had a stuttering problem, Gideon was afraid, Samson had long hair and was a womanizer, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah was too young, Sarah was too old, David had an affair and was a murderer, Elijah was depressed, Isaiah preached naked, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Job lost his whole family and fortune, John the Baptist ate bugs, Peter denied Christ. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. But the very work that God calls you and I to in insignificance is the very place he wants us to make an impact and a difference. For some reason... The God of the Bible chooses to use people like me and people like you. That's how he wants to work. He wants to use you and I in the place that we live. He chooses to use us. So I was having a conversation this week with um, one of the ladies of our church, and she was really struggling with just a lot of the evil kind of bad stuff that happens in the world. We all struggle with that, right? And she was just saying, it just was something she really wrestled with, and I I understood that. But then in the midst of that, she talked about how three ladies of our church 
took time to just help her out. They took her car and drove it 30 minutes away so it could get worked on. Another guy in our church worked on it. Then they brought it back to her house so that she would be able to have her car back because she couldn't drive that. And then she was talking to me about how a friend of hers, the two of them were having a conversation, and this friend of hers was just struggling with, you know, the whole religion Jesus thing. And, and so she asked this lady of our church a question, and, and she just kind of shared with her kind of what she thought about Jesus and what he did. And she goes, I don't know, I probably answered that wrong. But I looked at her and I said, you know, in spite of the frustration with the evil of the world, you've chosen and others have chosen to be a small influence, have a small impact. In, in other words, what God desires to do through you and I is, yeah, change the evil of the world, but He does it in small, almost seemingly insignificant ways when you and I take a step and do what it is that He wants us to do. And sometimes I wonder if maybe some of us should stop watching so much of the news and should take a walk across the street and have a conversation with the neighbor or extend some love or grace to somebody else. I'm not saying live your life with your head stuck in the sand and not know what's going on. But what I am saying is that God wants to use every single one of us to be light in the midst of the darkness right where we're at. In fact, Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. He says, for you were once, can you put that up there for me, Joey? If you, there you go. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And notice this last part. Live as children of light. So if Jesus were alive today, you know, he used seeds and he used yeast. He might use those today. But what, what do you think, example, what example do you think Jesus might use today? What what thing would he pull out? Because he just used common everyday things to help us have a better understanding of God and the kingdom of God. I wonder if he might use a red paper clip. Anybody heard the story of the red paper clip exchange? So apparently this guy, several years ago, like 2005, a guy by the name of Kyle McDonald. So the story goes, he uh, was out of work, he was at home, he didn't really know what to do. He's sitting at his desk, and he has this red paper clip, and he comes up with this crazy idea. He said, I wonder if I could trade this red paper clip for something better. And so apparently he had a blog, but he also put it on Craigslist, and he said it on the barter section, he said, anybody want to barter me a paper clip for something else? And so sure enough, somebody came along, and they bartered him for a fish-shaped pen, writing pen, right? And then pretty soon... Um, that fish-shaped pen, somebody else bartered him for this really ugly-looking doorknob. And then he bartered the doorknob for a Coleman, you know, camping stove that you can cook on. So apparently, uh, a year to the day exactly from when he first traded the red paper clip, 14 trades later, he ends up with a house in Canada. He says the most amazing thing about all of it wasn't what he got out of the story, but it was the people and just kind of that connection with other people. So he did a TEDx talk, and so here's the end of his talk. I want you to listen to this. And it was all about the people saying, yes, let's build something, let's do something together, let's collaborate, let's see what happens. That was what One Red Paper Clip was all about. 
there at, at this uh, house ring party in, in Kipling, Saskatchewan, uh, Karina had the original red paperclip around her neck in a, in a picture frame. And people were saying to me, like, wow, you traded away the paperclip, but don't you wish you had it back now? <laughs> That's got to be worth a lot of money. That's got to be, it's really famous. And I said to them that day what I still say today. It, it wasn't about the paperclip, and it's not about having it or selling it or what it's worth. If I hadn't traded away that red paperclip, I'd just be a guy sitting there at his desk holding a paperclip in his hand, wondering what would happen if I did something with the paperclip. So if you have a paperclip, trade it away. You might only get a fish pen, but it might be the single step that leads to an amazing journey. And for me, that journey will be off this red circle. So I wish you the best. So what do you have in your hand that God may want to use? I mean, imagine if we do something for God with the things that God has given us, as small and as insignificant as they may feel for us. That just one simple step. I mean, for somebody, a smile can make all the difference. A, a ride, a willingness to, you know, reprogram their garage door open, or maybe you're going to mow their yard. Maybe you're going to bake them something and take it. Maybe you write a note to it. Maybe you just take a moment and have a conversation with somebody just in some way to be able to encourage them. Now, I've got to say a couple things. This requires a lot of trust in God because it works against the way we tend to see how life ought to work. Because we think... Okay, we got to sit down, right? And we got to plan well. We got to get the right people together. We got to strategize. We got to think, you know, we got to create some kind of big, huge plan. And sometimes that's absolutely necessary, isn't it? But here's God saying tiny little seed, tiny little bit of yeast in his hand can have the biggest impact on other people. He just needs faithful people who are willing to say, I'm going to do my part. The other thing that's important about this is this, that the kingdom of God is found wherever God's people are at. So the kingdom of God is found in your neighborhood and where you go to school. The kingdom of God is found where you happen to work at or the club or organization that we're a part of. The kingdom of God is found where you hang out with your friends. The kingdom of God is found in those places because we are part of God's kingdom. And God chooses to use all of us wherever we're at. The church is not just one place that's a building. but The church is God's people spread out, being this profound influence on other people because of their love for him. We are called to be seed. We are called to be yeast. We are called to be a light. Small things in the hand of Almighty God. It makes a huge impact on our world. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for the love that you have for us, your willingness and your desire, Lord, to use every single one of us to make an impact on others. And Lord God, I pray that on this day as we gather to worship and honor you, that if there is anyone who needs the love that you have for them, that today would be the day that they would have a conversation. Father, that they would take that step. 
Father, that they would ask, whoever it is they came with, how, how do I have that relationship with Jesus Christ? Lord, we pray that today would be the day. And Lord, help us to be people who recognize that in the smallness of what we have to offer, you make it so significant for you and your kingdom, God. And so we take this time and just say thank you. In your most precious name we pray, amen.